Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Good morning. How are you guys? What, uh, what happened? You guys are tired or dead or something? Good morning. How you doing? Oh, there we go. Good. Well, hey, I'm glad you're here. We're going to uh, invite our ushers to come forward and give an offering together. But uh, before we do that real quick, I uh, just want to tell you a quick story about one of the things that, that is able to be done because of these offerings. Uh, we were able to go out to Target on Glenway yesterday and set up a couple of tents uh, right outside of the entrance there and do free gift wrapping for people. And it was really, really cool. We were able to uh, get permission from Target this time so we didn't get chased away. And uh, we were able to set up with signs and had free hot chocolate and uh, just going around and telling people we'll wrap their gifts for free. And that you have to say, for free, and people are like, oh, free, huh? And you have to say, no donations allowed. And when they hear no donations allowed, they're like, wait, what? Well, what, how do you do that? Because you guys are giving offerings. Because we get to uh, go out and show people a piece of God's love because of the, just because of the, the partnership that we're making with him. So thank you for giving. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you for just spoiling us the way that you do. God, that you give us more than we need. You allow us a better way to live to where uh, our money stretches farther, our different resources, they go farther. And you say that we can't outgive you, just that whatever we put into it, you keep, you keep showing up and making it worth our while. God, thank you for just blessing us and spoiling us and giving us favor. We just, we want to see more of it. We give you this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. They're going to pass those things along. And uh, hey, also, if and this is the thing getting passed around mostly for cash or checks. Uh, a lot of you are living in the future now. And so uh, if you would like to give electronically, you can do that right on your phone. You can download our Church Center app. Uh, you, all you would do is search for Vineyard Westside on either the, the iTunes store or Android and you'll find our app that has podcasts, it has a Bible integrated into it, it has ways to communicate with the church and get connected with other people and groups, all sorts of things. But also, you can give uh, on your phone. So if you're, if, you're, if you're into that kind of thing. Well, hey, just a couple quick announcements before we get going into the message today. Uh, the big one being that next... Sunday, uh, if you show up here, the door is going to be locked. Uh, we will not be meeting next Sunday. It's one of those weird years where Christmas Eve falls the day before Sunday. And so the 25th Christmas Day is going to be on Sunday. We're going to give all of our volunteers that day off, and we're going to have our Christmas Eve service Saturday at 4 p.m., We'd love to see you there. Bring people. It's a really just a, it's a nice tradition. And so a lot of people bring family and friends. 
Um, it's, it's just a really, uh, it's just a really good time to, to connect with God and to kind of slow yourself down during the craziness of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and, uh, and take a deep breath and remember the reason for the season kind of stuff. So we'd love to see you there, Saturday the 24th, 4 p.m. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention before, before we jump in is that uh, after the first of the year, a really important thing is beginning again, and that is uh, this life recovery journey where Melissa and Rick Schwimberger are going to be running our recovery group. Yeah. People, you know why people are clapping? It's because anybody who's been in it or knows about it, they know that it is life-changing, that Amen. it can help change people's lives. If you have things going on that are constant issues, anything that, you know, you may not even realize that you would be a candidate, a perfect candidate for the 12 steps. It can help with anything that you're struggling through. And so there's more information in the program about it. Uh, Rick and Melissa are going to be out in the lobby, and they're going to be giving info if you have any questions or anything. Uh, it begins on Monday after the first of the year, whatever that first Monday is, every week, January 2nd, there we go, every week, and um, for the first month, it's open to anyone so that you can get into the group. After that first month, it'll be closing down, and so uh, it gives people that privacy and uh, ability to kind of connect with, with their fellow group members in a safe place. Um, fantastic group, fantastic leaders. If you're interested, step on out to the lobby after the service. Let's see. All right, all right, all right. Okay. You ever wish you got something better for Christmas? Like you got, you're like, oh, I love that. But you're like, what is this? What is this? Uh, I remember when I was, I was like maybe 22, 23 years old. I got a shot glass chess set for Christmas, which I don't know how to play chess. And at the time, I wasn't drinking bourbon. I wasn't big enough yet. And so it just, it was one of those ones where you go, what the who? Do these people know me? This is a weird one. But sometimes you get something way better than you ever expected. I don't even know what I had asked for one particular year, and I got a Super Nintendo, and it was life-changing. I got a Super Nintendo. You see some of those kids on TikTok and different things that are losing their minds? It happened to me, because I just couldn't believe it. How, how did I get this? And it's, it's such an exciting thing to get, uh, in, in, like, something better than you expected. Um, two of my uncles are, <laughs> they're, they're strange guys, but um, one of the things that's always funny is on Christmas, the tradition for, for our family seemed to always be that the, those brothers, the two uncles of mine, my dad's brothers, uh, they would get the same, the same package of socks and the same package of underwear every year. The same ones, that, and it was just, yep, they've worn out. It's like, it's like you got to get new tires kind of thing. And 
just, I remember my, <laughs> I said, you get the same, same thing? And my uncle saying, yep, Christmas means socks and underwear. <laughs> Christmas means socks and underwear. And I just, I'm like, man, I hope that never happens to me. <laughs> I, like, I can just so, I can go buy those. I don't want those. And they get the same one. And these were like the little tidy whities and, and I mean, this is like, it's still going on. I'm like, you know, underwear technology's come a long way. Like, you could get some good ones if you're going to get them as a gift. Anyway, I'm sidetracked. Uh, what are we talking about? Oh, so, is Christmas just socks and underwear? Um, for, for some people, it is. For some people, it is. I want to talk about getting something better for Christmas. Better for Christmas. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes, there's a lot of famous... Uh, letters from Calvin to Santa, uh, but this one is always my favorite, where he says, Dear Santa, every year at this time, I send you a list of what I want for Christmas, and every year, you callously ignore it, and you bring me practical things, things I don't want at all. What's the deal? Are you insane? Have you gone senile? Can't you read? Or are you just a vindictive, twisted oaf bent on destroying little kids' dreams? Hobbes reads the letter and he says, you know, you might want to sleep on this one. <laughs> Calvin says, I know, but it felt good to write it. <laughs> the thing about God is he's, he's known as our, our heavenly father um, and that our father gives good gifts to his kids. I love giving gifts to my kids and I, I don't... I don't care. I, I'm going to try and spoil them. I, I just am. And people say, oh, you're going to get... Well, my kids are awesome. And uh, they're not spoiled little brats, despite my trying. Um, so we're doing something okay. But God is leaps and bounds above any of us. It says in Matthew 7, if you, being evil... And we're like, hey, I resemble that remark. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask? God lavishes us with amazing gifts that we really, really, really want. But the greatest gift, the priciest gift that he's ever given to us is the one that we really, really, really needed. God gave us his, his son, Jesus, as a gift, and it's through him that we're able to receive this permanent pardon from our sin. This complete reconciliation with our creator. It's the, the, the promise of eternal joy with our heavenly dad forever. The apostle Paul reminds us that this is the reason for this season right now. That 1 Timothy chapter 1 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Some of us struggle with some of these things because maybe we, maybe we had an earthly dad that left something to be desired. Or maybe you had, you had a dad that way worse than that. That 
when you even think about the word father or the word dad, it brings up a, just a bad feeling inside of you. That is a really, really difficult thing for a lot of people to, uh, to get past when looking at our father in heaven, that he's not the same as our dad. That our dad needed him. And that he's the ultimate good, good father. Matthew chapter 1, it says, Now this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace... He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin Mary will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. But he could not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, what we're going to look at today are three truths about the first Christmas that's coming up that we're heading into in this story right here. Three, three truths about the first Christmas that really can kind of spark the wonder in you. Um, how many of you are excited for Christmas? You, you like this season? Um, like four of you. Okay. All right. Okay. A few more, a few more. Uh, I talked to my sister in the lobby earlier uh, this morning and she just said she was so excited to buy Christmas presents this year. Um, because sometimes you're, you're, sometimes, man, you're in a different place. And it was all about, I really liked being able to do that this year. Because all of a sudden, Christmas has come alive in a new way, a new perspective. Sometimes you're in that place where you can't afford to buy anything for anybody and you just feel bad about it. Sometimes you don't have anybody to buy for. Sometimes uh, you feel guilty over 500 different things because um, I don't, I don't want to go to this thing because they might buy me something and I can't buy them something, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes the wonder of Christmas can come alive uh, when God is moving in a different way in your life. The first thing... If you're a note taker, we're going to talk about three truths in the first Christmas. The first one is that God changes our plans to guide us to his purpose. He changes our plans to guide us to his purpose. A lot of us do not like, I would say all of us don't like when he messes with our plans. I mean, maybe later, in hindsight, I like it because I recognize, man, that was a bad plan. And he messed with it and made it better. That's really good. But we don't like it when he messes with our plans 
a lot of times we think that we know what's best for us or for our future. Spoiler alert. We don't. Isaiah 55. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God says, I have to change your plans because your plans, they're actually too little. And your perspective is too little. And your thoughts are too little. And um, the, the world is going to be impacted too little. And so I have to change your plans because they're too small. Your perspective's too limited. I want to do more. I want to do more. The good news is that every time God changes any of your plans, any time he changes your plans, it's because he wants to treat you better than you were going to. It's because he wants to take you further than you were going to. He's going to bring you to another higher level than what you are going to be able to do. A lot of us can maybe roll our eyes at that because we don't, we don't understand some, how some of those tough or painful things, like I had a plan to, to go to school and graduate with a bachelor's degree, but this happened and this happened, and I ended up flunking out, and, um, and how can that be, that change of plans, how can that be God doing something? The thing about it is, though, uh, your life is kind of like a, your life is kind of like a chocolate chip cookie, really, uh, that there are certain things in that batch of ingredients to make a chocolate chip cookie that are really good to eat on their own and some are really nasty and so you don't really want to take a big bite of flour on its own if you were ever a little kid and you accidentally got into that baker's chocolate and you were like man that's like a punch in the face (laughs) what a betrayal I thought I found candy this is poison But some of those ingredients are good. Then you become an adult and you're like, baker's chocolate is pretty good. (laughs) Some of the ingredients are gross by themselves. Some of them are good on their own. But it's not until those things get mixed together and they get put under intense heat that it forms into something incredible. Something amazing. Uh, And so sometimes the flunking out of college is the ingredient that doesn't taste good, but it's an ingredient that's required. Your life has a bunch of highlights that are wonderful. A lot of Facebook feeds and things like that are are the highlights, the good parts. But you have other days and experiences that are just boring or painful or confusing or where you can't imagine any reason that God would allow you to be experiencing this. Um, But God, he not only sees those individual ingredients of your life that are going on, he understands how they affect your whole life and how they affect other people's lives, how they work together, the whole picture, the bigger thing. Like, have you ever been to a play and you're watching the things that are happening on stage and maybe somebody accidentally hits the the curtain and it gets pulled back some and you see all these other people back there working and they're like wheeling this up to move the curtain closed and some people are trying to get changed and throwing all kinds of stuff and you're like oh my gosh there's what 
there's way more going on behind the scenes than there is up front, the thing that you see. And God is seeing that whole piece all together, every one of them working back and forth. The first Christmas reminds us that God changes our plans to fit his purpose. That whatever he has in mind is what he's going to try to get you to ultimately steer into. He's, he's a good God, though. He doesn't force you to do it. He's a gentleman. And so he's going to show you. He's going to give you um, little hints and pushes and nudges and reminders, and you're going to hear, and you're, and you're going to be steered to these things. It's not, you're not going to miss them. You're going to be steered to them. Sometimes we, we avoid them. Sometimes we, sometimes we try to ignore them, but we don't, we don't miss them. Matthew chapter 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being just a man, being a just man, he is just a man, I mean, it's a Holy Spirit verse, come on. And not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. I think that's a funny phrase. I want to put her away secretly. <laughs> this is not how Joseph had planned to start their life. This is not how Mary had planned to start their life, right? Mary, while she's still a virgin, is found to be with child. And we know that's not how things work. She said, Joseph? Yeah? I'm pregnant. What? And it's from the Holy Spirit. That's a tough one. That's a toughie. That is not the way things work. Uh, virgin girls don't one day find themselves pregnant. Pregnant virgin, not really a phrase that you use. By this time, though, Mary is probably in her second trimester. And she's beginning to show now. Joseph's world is spiraling out of control. Um, I'm someone who is always kind of battling against intrusive thoughts. Um, I would imagine intrusive thoughts going wild. That, yeah, my wife, it's from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but an angel told me it was, oh, my God. just going and going and going. Joseph's world's got to be spiraling out of control because his plans are changing rapidly. His dreams are dying. Soren Kierkegaard, he wrote that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. That if only we could, like, we're like, how the heck... If, if you played it in reverse, oh, that's how they all fit together. Wouldn't you love to be able to go back in time, though, and, like, inform? I, I mean, I would, I, I feel like 
man, to save Joseph some pain, I'd love to go back and be able to inform him that, like, hey, dude, it, it's for real. I'm from the future. It's for real. It is for real. Just keep going, buddy. I know it feels like everything is wrong and your whole plan is getting ruined, but this is the new plan that's, that's the plan. I love to tell those kids, they're teenagers. I love to tell those kids that the faith that they have is going to inspire billions of people. And that the troubles that they're going through right now are nothing compared to the treasures that they're going to experience forever. Also, from the things that we know, this is a weird sidebar, um, from the things that we kind of know about heaven in the scriptures, um, it sounds like there's a good chance that we'll be able to sit down to dinner with these two, if we would like, at some point. The second thing that we learn about the first Christmas, um, the second one is that God will blow our minds to humble us. He will blow our minds to humble us. Matthew 1, it says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take your wife, take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This angel is quoting a, a prophecy that's known as a, a messianic prophecy, a prophecy of the coming Messiah that is in Isaiah chapter 7. This is Isaiah 7, 14. And Joseph would have been a student of the scriptures, and he would have known this part of the Bible inside and out. Just uh, something that he's very familiar with, that there is going to be a virgin, she'll be with child, she'll bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And he, he's heard this, and all of a sudden he's being inserted into this, this story, into this prophecy. Now the thing also about him is that he was Jewish. And no Jewish person would have ever interpreted that verse to mean a literal virgin would miraculously become pregnant by God and also pregnant with God? That would not have ever been the interpretation. And so it was assumed that the Messiah's mother would be a devout young bride who would conceive a child in the usual way. And no one of that day believed Emmanuel literally meant God would become flesh and dwell among them. The message translation of the Bible I love because it says that... Um, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And just that that was never the interpretation that, that yeah, God would be with us. Kind of like, yes, he's with us right now. No, that he's, like, he's going to, floor is going to creak when he walks through the room. He's going to be with you. 
And so God ends up blowing the minds off of Joseph and Mary when this truth hits them that this Messiah is coming from them and that it is going to be both fully man and fully God. That Okay, so it's a baby, but what happens? Does he come out and then instantly turn into a... How does this work? Does he have wings? How's this going to happen? No, he's going to be fully man and fully God. The angel says, you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus is a Greek version of the uh, Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. The great I am is the one who saves. But notice what, what the angel says here that Jesus is going to do in verse 21, that Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He'll save his people from their sins. The angel here says that Jesus will save his people, but his name means Yahweh saves. Or the Lord saves. And so which one is it? Is it does Yahweh save or is it that Jesus saves? Yes. And that, that's the whole point, that it's that Jesus is Yahweh. That Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is God. This baby that is coming is fully God. And Jesus was fully human. He was fully human. Um, I think a lot of us have an easier time understanding that Jesus was fully God. Um, but that Jesus was fully human is a bit more difficult. That physically he was human. That he was born a baby. He became a teenager. Jesus had to have farted. And he grew to be a man, and he ate, and he drank, and he burped, and he slept. He bled, and he died. He was in every way physically a human. Mentally, he was fully human. In Luke 2.52, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom. What that means is that Jesus had to learn stuff. That he didn't just have... He didn't just have all knowledge in some way. He had to learn. It says he increased in knowledge as he went through his teenage years. He had to learn to read and to write and to add and subtract just like everyone else. He didn't come out of the womb quoting scripture. He didn't come out of the womb preaching repentance. Jesus came out screaming bloody murder like the rest of us. Jesus was fully human emotionally. Um, he loved. He loved people. He laughed. He joked. He made fun of his friends, as you do. He cried. He grieved things. He got angry about things. He used sarcasm a lot. <laughs> This is important to me, and it's important for my faith, this part about Jesus being fully human, because what it means is that Jesus is able to identify with me. He's able to identify with you, with, with, with you who you are right now, not the fake version of you that's for church or anything, the, the you. He identifies with you in all those ways that 
have you ever had somebody who just gets you? Um, where you, you, maybe you've been misunderstood in whatever way. And somebody comes along and they get you. And they kind of think the same way that you do. Jesus is able to identify with you as weird as you are. Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus doesn't just feel sorry for you. He actually sympathizes with you. To have sympathy means to suffer with someone or to share the feelings of someone. That's because Jesus has personally experienced the pains and the limitations of being a human. He's experienced, is this ever just hard? Like for anybody else? Just being a human. <laughs> just like it's one of those hard human days. Jesus knows what it's like to be hard, to be a human. He's able to sympathize with us because he has felt the things we have felt. He has been to the places that we are. What that means is that whatever you're going through right now, uh, whatever you're going through, and it could be great stuff, it could be hard things, the holidays coming up, that can, that can bring up new difficult things. Um, for whatever reason, I've been feeling it on my heart a lot lately for people who have lost someone um, going into, because every one of these holidays is just super hard, because it's, it's the first Christmas without him, or it's the, it's the first this without her, just, they're hard. Whatever it is that you're going through, uh, you can be assured that Jesus is not some uncaring or uninterested or unaware person. He sympathizes with you because he cares about you. He loves you. 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for you. Jesus is able to substitute for you. He's able to substitute for you because of this knowing of what you are going through, of knowing who you are, of knowing uh, your, your strengths and your weaknesses. He's able to become a substitute for you um, because he knew what was necessary. Isaiah 53, it says that he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. By the, the, the lash marks that are left from a scourge, from whips ripping through his back, that by those we get healed. And it's because God is holy and just and because he gives good gifts to his kids. And the thing about God is that he is going to punish your sin the way that it deserves to be punished. He's going to punish your sin the way it deserves to be punished. But the thing about God is 
that he's also so gracious and loving that he doesn't want to punish you for your sin. He doesn't want to punish you for your sin that you've had, for your screw-ups, for your ways that you've hurt other people, for your things you've done against him, against yourself, against your friends or your family. He wants to punish the sin, but he doesn't want to punish you. And so here's what he did. He came up with this crazy plan. He came up with this crazy plan where he was going to be able to punish your sin the way that it deserved to be punished without you being punished. How does he do that? How does he do that? Yeah, you can clap. That's good news. It is. So he comes up with this, this plan to be able to, to, be able to look at the, the sin and not the, not the sinner. And that's the third thing about this first Christmas that we can see is that God will use our obedience to give us something better. God will use our obedience to give us something better. Matthew 1, it says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. We may not have any recorded words in Scripture whatsoever from Joseph. A lot of people don't notice that. He never, never talks anywhere. <laughs> He's just been quiet the whole time. So we don't have anything recorded about anything that he said, but what we have recorded are all these different times where he was obedient with what he did. And is it any, any wonder why the heavenly good, good father would choose this stepdad for his son? He chose someone who listened and someone who obeyed. Later, Jesus would say, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Those who put it into practice, not those who, who just talk about it. Philippians 3, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. A person that's, that's filled with the, the awe of Jesus and the wonder of Christmas, they're a person who's able to say, God, I want you to give me something great to do for your kingdom. And I'll give up everything, including my life, if need be, to do it. I remember um, I was... Before I, I came on staff here at Vineyard Westside, um, I was actually in the process of becoming a police officer, um, which is a, another crazy story. I was, led, I was led by God into that avenue. I went through almost all of the testing to get ready to go into Cincinnati Police Academy uh, for the city of Cincinnati. I had taken um, several different tests. I, I tested with 3,200 other, other people who were going for police and fire jobs. Um, they kept 300 of us. Then we had to do a physical agility test. I passed that. We were down to 40. Uh, I had to fill out two 200 and something page packets of questions that I was completely honest on. 
And I just knew there would be no way I'd be accepted because I said, they said, have you ever stolen anything? I had to actually add a piece of paper and staple it to it <laughs> because it listed, it had a couple spots. I'm like, dude, <laughs> these are some of the things I can remember. And it, it just had, it had every kind of crazy thing in the world. Asked every question that you could have in your life. One of, a memorable one is, have you ever had intercourse with an animal? Oh. <laughs> That's when I went, whoa, they're getting into kind of everything. And then what they do is, um, if, if, you, if you make it past that part of the process, they they invite you to do a lie detector test. And so you do your fingerprinting, and uh, I went, did fingerprinting. I was uh, getting ready to go into the police academy, and I got offered a job as an associate pastor at Vineyard Westside. <laughs> and I said, I'm gonna do that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> All that to say, that, that story, was uh, because my dad was not cool with me becoming a police officer. Uh, and he called me multiple different times, crying on the phone, saying, you're not gonna, uh, like, because I got hurt so many times. He's like, you're gonna get killed for sure. <laughs> and I, remember, I just remember, at, at the time, at the time, I mean, I was riding this Holy Spirit wave that was ridiculous, and I was, oh my gosh, hang 10. And I remember I said, that doesn't matter because to live is Christ and to die is gain. He did not like that. <laughs> and I was trying to explain that I can't, I know Jesus in this way now that whatever it is that he asked me to do, and I had been asked to go into this for a time, then I was released from it. You know, sometimes you get called to do something and you get released from it. You're like, why am I doing this? And it was, I had to do it at the time. It was something that I had to do and had to learn and had to experience God from and hear him. And, and then I was released from it. But heading into it, I'm like, Dad, I, I, don't, I don't care what happens to me. Because to live is Christ, so good if I'm alive. And to die is better than that. To die is gain. Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Assurance about what we do not see. This was one of the hardest ones for me to get to for so long. Because how can I believe in something completely and fully if I can't see it? Um... I don't know, do you believe in oxygen? <laughs> Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for uh, this crazy plan that you had where you hated sin and you figured out a way to punish sin without punishing us by giving up your son, by becoming human. And what a miraculous, miraculous story. We, we cannot 
downplay this. We cannot um, make a big enough deal about this, about how incredible it is. Lord, you are astonishing. You are unmatched. You are incredible. And it humbles us deeply to understand that you are that incredible for us. That you loved us so much that you did what you did. Or we just pray that we would be understanding this season and uh, not just falling into the commercial part of Christmas buying gifts and things like that, that we would be able to, to just remember that this is a celebration and a recognition of the greatest thing that ever took place in the history of the world. Glory to God. We love you, Jesus. We don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. We want to look right at you, speak right to you. Pray that you would speak back to us. Lead us to the plan that you want us to be involved in. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. Hey, Merry Christmas. We will see you soon. Christmas Eve, Saturday, 4 p.m. I hope to see you then. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.